Daniel Barra of the University of Georgia writes, having had the good fortune of gaining permission to perform considering Matthew Shepard while it was still in manuscript, as well as the joy of preparing it with the University of Georgia choirs in the spring of 2017, I was genuinely moved by the immediate musical and emotional investment of our collegiate singers in the work, most of whom had never heard of Matthew Shepard. Our audiences in Athens and Atlanta who witnessed the Southeastern premiere performances of Considering Matthew Shepard under Craig Hella Johnson's leadership responded with heartfelt gratitude, emotional catharsis, and rousing ovations for the piece. With a libretto as diverse and ingenious as its musical palette and music that touches the soul with its exuberance, its lyricism, and its immediacy, Considering Matthew Shepard managed to reach and unite all who were present at those performances with a palpable sense of community and love. This is a work that must be experienced, relished, and shared well into the future. Words of Daniel Barra, professor of choral music and director of choral activities at the University of Georgia in the foreword to the published score of Considering Matthew Shepard, by Craig Hella Johnson. The work was written to remember the 1998 hate crime murder of a gay college student from the state of Wyoming who was kidnapped, severely beaten, tied to a fence, and left to die. There will be collegiate singers joining with adult performers in the regional premiere of this piece to be presented by the Choral Society of Northeast Pennsylvania and the Bloomsburg University Choirs under Dr. Alan Baker, music director and conductor, this Saturday at the First Presbyterian Church of Clark Summit and on Sunday at St. Stephen's Episcopal Pro Cathedral in Wilkes-Barre. Dr. Baker paid a visit to the WVIA studios to talk with us about the work and how he chose the piece for the 2022-23 season. It's really kind of part of the, the DNA for the Choral Society to you know, to do Brahms and Mozart and stuff like that, but to, to, to kind of be a leader in the, in the region as far as bringing new pieces to performance, and especially pieces that highlight choral music, as we like to say, it's the ultimate social art form because you can't do it by yourself, and, and, and you have to bring a lot of different people from a lot of different places together to do it. And to show that, you know, the choral music, especially because it can it can touch on important topics and it, it has words, that it really is a kind of a part of the, the societal fabric that it's not just, you know, it's not all fun and games and just, oh, that was pretty and we'll clap. How did you come across this work? You know, I don't even remember how I first heard about it. It was written in 2016 and I think I must have got a score for it maybe three years ago and then for about the last two years it's been oh i'm doing this i'm gonna do this piece so spent a lot of time with it over the last uh, the last two years and we've been working on it all year my kids at school many of them checked out the scores and took them home last summer and i was really there's a emotional mountain you have to kind of climb before you can before you can sing it and considering Matthew Shepard, so we know it is concerned and focusing mm -hmm. on that awful event of his murder in Wyoming, Laramie. We know the play has made a great impact, uh, Laramie Project. This piece, how do you describe it? Is it an oratorio? Uh, it, it acts like an oratorio. Stylistically, some people have called it a fusion oratorio. 
um, it's put together as also in the kind of in the form of a passion. We're you know we're we're in Lent now, heading for for Holy Week, and he has a a prologue which um, kind of introduces us to Matthew Shepherd, who was this just ordinary ordinary kid basically, and brings up the idea of why do we why do we tell stories? Why do we remember things? Especially what do we what do we get out of a painful story? You know. But then the whole middle section is he actually titles it passion. And and I think we can kind of take that term passion as the you know, the the death of a of a martyr. Martyr, someone who's gone but not forgotten, someone whose death has uh, somehow managed to inspire or teach that type of thing. So it's kinda of like the, the passion of Matthew Shepard in the in the middle, but then very important, he has an epilogue that he, he tacks on to to the thing and I think if I'm going to say anything to you today, I want to convince people to overcome maybe two reasons they, they might think, I don't want to come hear this. Well, it's a modern piece of music, so oh, is it going to be dissonant and weird and uh, and bizarre? Uh, not at all. It's one of the most easy listening things I think I've ever done with Choral Society because the composer, instead of writing in one particular style, like we would say, oh, that sounds like Brahms or that sounds like Mozart or Corley. Today, oftentimes you'll say, well, that sounds like Eric Whitaker or Arvo Pert or something like that. I have no idea what this composer's personal voice sounds like because he wants to consider Matthew Shepard's story from like all perspectives, all sides, all the responses people had to this series of events in 1998. And how he does that is by using different musical styles. So you, you'll hear something, you'll say, oh, that's, well, that's a gospel trio. That's a, that's a blues tune. Oh, what are some of the other styles in there? Certainly hymns, country, that sounds like a country song, or that sounds like a pop song. There's also some more classical type. There's a very minimalist movement. There's a movement that's kind of aleatoric or improvisatory. But it certainly makes the piece go by faster because you're constantly hearing all these different styles that you understand and that, that you know well. So don't be scared away from this piece because you think it's modern. The second thing is don't be scared of this piece because you think it's just sad or that it's going to make you just angry. And it probably will in, in part, you know. But um, the details of, of his, his murder happen fairly early in the piece. And it's not called about Matthew Shepard. It's, it's considering. And so we go through and we, we hear all of the different responses people had to this in 1998. And we probably notice that they're, they're pretty similar to the responses we still have here in 2023 to tragic events. And there is a, a kind of a saying goodbye to, to him as well, with some very beautiful music. But that whole epilogue turns the thing and kind of transports us to a place that's uh, somewhat hopeful or, or challenging. I would never say a piece of music is life-changing. People change people. But, but music can motivate. It can, it can uh, provide an impetus. It can, it can create thinking or it can encourage thinking. And I think that's, that's where this piece ultimately leaves us. It's not life-changing, but maybe it's life-challenging. And so I don't think you would, if you really pay attention to the piece, I don't think you're going to leave sad or angry, and it's really not even political. I think you're just going to leave with some kind of some hope or a new sense of purpose or some, some questions, uh, you know, a willingness to say, I want to think about this a little bit more. To add to the impact, the composer uses many strong images, a candle, stars, the moon, fire, flame, the animal, the deer. 
Yeah, it's a very visual piece, actually. The The biggest symbol is the fence. If people do not know the story, he was a 21-year-old undergraduate at the University of Wyoming. On a Tuesday night in October, he, for some reason, got into a truck with two other 21-year-old guys, and they end up on a, a dead-end road outside of town, and he was tied to a wood rail fence and beaten with a, a very large revolver, a three fifty seven. It was like 15-inch long, and... uh and then they left him there. And it's like 18 hours later, uh, just a, a mountain biker discovered him and initially thought he was a scarecrow. He was a very small, five foot two inch, you know, slight build guy. The fence is, is the only witness to the events that night, besides the two killers who are in, you know, in prison. So the fence takes voice and the fence sings four different times. And, and so it becomes like the dominant symbol, almost like a, a cross-like symbol. I keep talking about how the piece turns or kind of transforms and leaves some of that dark, the sadness, the anger. I think that fence transforms along the way because the fence was eventually, they, they talk about the fence as a, a site for like pilgrimages. People came to the fence, but they cut off little pieces of it. They left things like you see on today, roadside, little memorials and things like that. But like 10 movements after we've talked about the fence being a, a pilgrimage site, we, we learned that the fence was taken down, it was torn down, it was taken away. Then we have another movement called Pilgrimage, and it talks about how we're walking to the fence. And it's uh, that old Navajo, famous Navajo prayer with beauty uh, before me and behind me, above me, below me. Like beauty is everywhere except the fence. But I think by this point, the fence is, it's kind of transformed into a kind of a metaphysical symbol of the kinds of fences we put up. You know, so we've left 1998 and we're we're here in the present. We're not so much talking about Matthew Shepard and that fence. We're talking about ourselves and these kind of arbitrary lines, divisions, barriers, you know, we kind of put up that kind of conveniently separate the world into like us and them. And I don't even think at this point we're really even the piece talking about sexual identity alone. We're talking about race and gender and, and age and financial status and, you know, just all these lines we kind of draw. And that's the that's the brave part of the piece, I think, is the suggestion that maybe you should take some time to think about your own fences, and maybe you should tear some of those down, you know, take them away. You've talked to us about the voice of the composer and the different styles throughout, but what about the structure of the piece itself? Yeah, uh, we, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about it. We, learn, we work on the music and stuff, and then we, we take breaks, and we kind of talked about it. And the, the, first, the first movement is kind of just to understand why it's there. Yeah, Bach prelude and then choral statements of awe and then a, a single cowboy yodeling. And, and then you get into this poem by a contemporary Wyoming poet that's all about cattle, horses, sky, and grass. And, I mean, it sets a feeling of the Wyoming prairie or something like that. But you're still like, why is it here? Uh, why does it just start with movement two, which is called Ordinary Boy? And you have to wait till the end, and and then you kind of understand it. There's a... There's a line in the first movement, it just kind of happens in the middle, that is talking about this dance of life or the circle of life, birth, rebirth, birth, death, rebirth, that kind of thing on the prairie. And it says, a human being can join the song, this song, this song of life. A human being can join the song, can circle too and not go wrong. And it's just kind of tossed out in the middle of that. But you get to the very end of the piece and you've had this huge gospel celebratory thing called all of us and again the last word is all 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 answering the question where do we begin how do you begin 
how do you restart all that? And the answer consistently in the song is it takes all of us, you know. But then you have this short little movement, which is movement 33, by the way. 33, very important number in the life, life of Christ. And it's, it's like it starts over. You, you hear a little bit of this chorale from the first movement, and it transports you back to movement one, and the cowboy yodels again. <laughs> and it's like, that is really, what is it doing there? That's really weird. Until it, it hits you after a while. The piece ended at all, all, all. This is the restart, and is a different cowboy. The cowboy is symbolic, I think, of Matthew Shepard, but the story start again. Maybe it will end differently. Maybe it will end differently for this. And that's why I say it's not candy-coated. It's not like sugar-coated. It just leaves you with a sense of hope or possibility. You're not quite sure some of the way the some of the things that are describing at the end of the piece are depictions of heaven or... Could that be heaven on earth? Could could it could it be achieved? Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Dr. Alan Baker, music director and conductor of the Choral Society of Northeast Pennsylvania and the Moomsburg University Choirs, speaking about Considering Matthew Shepard by Craig Hella Johnson to be presented in its regional premiere by the Choral Society of Northeast PA and the Bloomsburg University Choirs this Saturday, April 15th at 7 in the evening at the First Presbyterian Church Clark Summit and again Sunday, April 16th at 4 in the afternoon at St. Stephen's Pro-Cathedral in Wilkes-Barre. Performances are free, and for more information, you can find the Choral Society of Northeast Pennsylvania on the web, choralsociety.net, choralsociety.net. Thank you.